Welcome to A Piece of My Mind, a podcast that uses storytelling to bridge divides and build community. Today I'm talking with Darcel, the oldest performing drag queen in the world who lives and performs in Portland, Oregon. I'm Darcel 15, Roman numeral 15. Uh, I have owned a female impersonator cabaret for 54 years. Uh, my partner and I started it in 1967. So, so all uh, riots were in '69. So, we oh, out were, in New York, in New York, yeah. And we were for that. We, that luckily, we have never had that problem with Portland. So, have you always that being the case? Has your nightclub always been well received in the community? Yes, uh, uh, we're well known now around the world. Thank God. Thanks to people like you that take your time to talk to us and um, we have people from everywhere if you come to Portland you some stop it ourselves yeah everybody who I said oh I'm going to talk to Darcel they're like oh my gosh the Darcel the Darcel <laughs> <laughs> how did how did this start for you well I was in local theater for many years before I have about I've had opened about five different businesses in Portland I worked, of course, worked with Fred Meyer, went in the army, came back, worked for Fred Meyer again, a grocery chain, and uh, decided I would be on my own. So I opened a coffee house. I opened after after hour jazz club. I opened a flower shop, a candy store, and an ice cream parlor. And now this club. And then I I bought my first experience in with alcohol, a tavern. And this one stuck, Darcy. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, urban renewal. I don't know if you know what that. They tear down to build, build freeways. Right. Uh, took all of my places downtown. I was forced to move on, and so then when I found this little gem, beer was twenty five cents a glass, <laughs> and uh, I don't think the toilets in the place had ever been cleaned. <laughs> oh no. On a, well, it's Skid Row. It, it was then. Oh okay. And. Uh, my gay friends would have come, would not have come across Burnside. Burnside divides the city, okay, uh, southwest and north northwest, and uh, so I hired a lesbian bartender, Papa Scott, and we were a lesbian lesbian bar for three years. I, we put the show together. My partner and I worked. He worked in Vegas, and and we put the show together because our lesbian lady friends would be a little bit upset if, if someone talked to their girlfriend. And so I had to take all the beer pitchers and turn them in and plas- get plastic and uh, tuna fish cans for ashtrays. <laughs> the, the entertainment settled down. What does it do for you when you're on stage? What do you love about that? I love theater. I go to New York as often as I can. Or, but we, we used to go a lot. And uh, we go to all the shows. We do five shows in four days. Come back, it's like charging your batteries for an entertainer. I just love entertainment. So, And I was in local theater. I was always an attorney or a doctor. So I took my suit off and put on a dress. It's that simple. I don't want to be a woman. You know, I... <laughs> sure, it's just it's your stage persona. Like yeah, I just want to... This, this was my vehicle. For entertaining. For entertaining. So 
I've been to one drag show before in my life. In Minneapolis, there's a thing called Drag Queen Blingo, which is a bingo game run yes, by a drag queen. Yes. When when you're doing your shows, do you are you singing? Are you lip syncing? I do. I I sing and uh, talk. Most of our people uh, lip sync, but they do a damn good job. I'm I'm excited to see the show tonight. What's the process of getting ready? How long does it take you? I just uh, I started at three, and about uh, quarter to four, I f- finished. Okay, for for the for face. face. And then once you move down oh, to that, the club, that's, that's nothing. Then there's know. a lot more work to do. Well, there's more to do, but this project that I'm working on it's called a piece of my mind, P E A C E. And I always like to tell ask people when I say the word peace, what is that? What does that mean to you? Peace. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, we've had a terrible uh, year in Portland, as everybody has. We had riots every night. For what reason? I never figured out why. Just to, just to make trouble. That's certainly not peace. And uh, I've always Portland has been a calm, wonderful city, liberal uh, city to live in. And and now it's it's coming back, but things are opening up again. That'll be peace when they're back. You mentioned your partner when yes. you started this club. Yes. How did you meet? We met in a in a gay bar. Okay. Uh huh. Uh, fifty years ago. And did your partner do drag as well? Yes, he did. Uh, he was. He did a number. He was a dancer in in Vegas and a dancer here at, at a Hoyt Hotel, and they had a review show. And uh, it wasn't drag; it was regular. And and uh, so then they closed. So he came to work for me, and, and so he. Uh, uh, I said, "Well, why don't you be a waiter?" And then he couldn't tell the difference between wine and beer. So that's, <laughs> that's a, not the right role for him, is it? How it works. So. <laughs> He's enjoying the show. We put it. He choreographed it, and he got on stage with us. And he did his number in boys' clothes, and it went very, very flat. He did the same number, dressed up, and all hell broke loose. They loved it. And his name was was Roxy, so we just kept the name Roxy. That was his stage name. No, that was his given name. Oh, that was his given name. Yeah. Okay. He's right there. The one in the corner. Mm. Oh, nice. From watching that video, that organ, he's no longer with us. No, he died. He did. In 17. In 2017. Mm -hmm. But you're still doing drag. Oh, yeah. How old are you? Mm? How old are you? I'm 90. Are you going to retire ever? But I can't move. (laughs) It's getting there. (laughs) But until then, you're going to keep going. And as long as I can remember what to say, I'm the oldest performing drag queen in the world, Guinness World Records. Is that right? See, right up there. Oh, there it is. You got everything on that wall. How long have you had that title? For five years. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Holding holding up my own. What's the 15 from? The Roman numerals. Roman numeral. We have an organization called the Imperial Sovereign Rose Court in Portland. And we have an emperor and an empress and the, a royal people. And we, we were, I was elected in 72 to serve in 73. 
and and uh, uh, I was very proud of that. My tavern at the time was called the Demas Tavern, and I didn't change the name while I was Empress, but then I changed it to Darcel 15 afterwards because, you know, I don't know if you know, but people get a little upset if you capitalize on their organization. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Need your own thing. I heard something in the in in that in that Portland experience uh, video about you making your own clothes. I do. And so was there was there some sense when you started doing this that maybe it wouldn't be welcome if you were going into a store and trying on? No, no, there was they didn't have. I mean, who had my size? You know. Oh, okay. And besides, I I don't want to look like the girl next door. I I'm Darcel, so I'm over jeweled, overdressed, overwigged, overmade up. How did you create that persona? A friend of ours, Gracie Hansen, that Roxy worked for at the Hoyt Hotel, always wore feathers and, and wherever she went. She was all gussied up, and I loved what she did, so I, I kind of went along her, her way. Model it off of uh, that? Had you ever made clothes before? No, no. Uh, my first one, I laid the fabric down on the floor and cut out the shape of what I thought was a dress. <laughs> Put a big soda together. It was a dress. It worked. A gown. Yeah. The first time. I saw costumes. There, big one. Now that I got to take. I just finished. It's right over there. I just finished it. Uh, I take that down and wear it tonight. Oh, you will for the first time. How many costumes do you think you've made? Fifteen hundred at least. Fifteen hundred. How many have you kept? Fifteen hundred. You got all of them. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, the uh, Oregon Historical Society has a collection that they display every now and then. Oh, interesting. It is. What do you think people don't understand about drag? Well, I've done my darndest to make it work for people, and I think I've done a good job about it. Uh, they, they, you know, they came in, uh, and I proved to them that we didn't have two heads. And on and on and on. And they were just, you're here to be entertained, to forget your troubles, because you're not going to get any troubles out of me. The one thing I remember at the drag show that I went to, now I was a a kid from a small town, a small farming town in Wisconsin. In the Middle West. In the Midwest. You wouldn't even find my ass that that part of the world in a dress. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was... There's a there's a club in Minneapolis called the Gay well, Nineties. That's a big enough place, yeah. Sure, sure, but um, but this was my first, essentially, very early in my time in the city, and a lot of things I didn't yeah. understand about the world. But the thing I remember about going and photographing that drag show, and they let me backstage as they're getting ready and talking to people, mm-hmm. and um, that it was perhaps one of the most welcoming places I had ever been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We hear that all the time that they always they feel like, especially I have a great staff and great performers and we, we hug them, not for, not really, but just just wrap them in yeah, welcome, yeah, welcome. And and I hear that all the time is to say they can feel comfortable. How do you think that happens? I don't know if I, I guess it because I feel that way. I mean, it's 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 not a phony thing. I love my audiences. I don't, you know, every night it's a different audience. Mm-hmm. And I'm always nervous before I step on that stage. 
even after 50-some years? Yes, of course. You don't know what you're stepping into. I know they're on my side. You never know. And I've heard it all anyway from stage. Anything that anybody has to say that's negative, I just put them in their place. I'm the one with the microphone, so. Oh, so you'll respond. I I will take care of it. I'll watch for that. And smile. And smile. See, in drag, when you're doing drag, you can say, Darcel especially, can say anything to anybody and it's taken the right way. Because that's who the character is. Yes. Oh, there's a freedom in that, I imagine. It's good. Yeah, I don't worry. I don't worry about topics on stage or what I get involved with the audience. I try to get involved with them. Can you remember a a favorite time, or maybe an early time when you were trying to trying to figure this out, and you could say, "Oh, there, yeah, this is what I want to do." I don't have a a, a favorite time. You never know who you're touching when you work on stage. And one night I'm on stage, I'm doing my thing, and a lady at the end of the runway was smiling, and she had four people, with, four ladies with her. I said, you have some really beautiful Bahambas. <laughs> you said beautiful what? Bahambas. Bahambas. Yeah. Breasts. I know. And uh, see, I figure most men don't really say that unless they're talking trash. Uh-huh. And I talk, I take it with fun. She started to laugh, and her friends started to cry. After that, I found out that she had just, this was her first night out after a double mastectomy. And I complimented her. And and who knows? Who knew? I mean, I, But it probably meant the world to her. Yes. Oh, yes. And her friends. They just. Sometimes I think, I mean, that makes me think of taking risks. I mean, you take a risk by saying that out loud to I a person. I take a risk by just walking on stage. You never know. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, well, you don't know what kind of sassiness you're going to get. But taking that risk also sometimes opens us up to some really beautiful moments. That time was, and that's, that was a risk. I feel that men don't say, uh, talk enough about how beautiful their wives are or how beautiful their body is. Hmm. Uh, they don't do it unless they're, you know, want to do it. Looking for something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that I could say it. Where do you think you learned that? I don't think it's a learned thing. I think it's a, a how you feel. Inside. It's just innate. Yeah. I have two children. Uh, my, my son lives next door. He's our bar manager. And I have a daughter, and she has two daughters, and I just have two great-grandchildren. Do they enjoy your drag show? Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Lainey is three years old. That picture up there of the blonde hair, right over here by the archway. Oh, yeah. That's me, uh, Helen Rappers from Channel 6. Oh, uh, A.M. Northwest draws or paints, and she paints characters. So she painted that. And my little three-year-old came in, and she said, Grandpa, is that you? I said, yes. She said, Mama, look. Grandpa puts a dress on every now and then. I, I would have loved to hear that when I was when I was three years old, to, you know, it keeps your life open and, 
for everything. Yeah, like it's no big deal. Mm-mm. That's my grandpa. Mm-hmm. That's what he does sometimes. There's an interview in that book. Actually, it's the first story. It's this man, David DeLamper Jr., and he lived on the streets of Minneapolis for 30 years. Wow. My kids knew him when they were young, at 12, 13 years old. Uh, and one day my daughter said, Dad, he doesn't seem like a homeless guy. And I'm like, what does David seem like? And she said, he just seems like a guy, just a regular guy. See? And we don't have to put the labels on. So that's good. Why do I hate labels? Yeah. Are there moments that people have made this difficult for you? I I don't know. I doubt it. I, I don't, uh, because if I can laugh it off, uh, I've been called everything out and around, you know, when you're a kid and when you're, they think you're gay. And uh, they, the, that word never was, but when I was a kid, they, that, that was wasn't the word. the word. Right. It was worse than that. Sure. Yeah. But uh, I got married and had two lovely children and my, I have a lovely wife. And we're still married uh, after all these years. And uh, unfortunately, she's ill and in a care center. But uh, my family stayed right here like this, right right with me. Hmm. And enjoy what I do and are proud of what I do. But at some point, you had to let her know that you were gay? Oh, yeah. That must have been a hard conversation. It was very hard. I'm sorry about any hurt, but I had to do it. I'm not sorry that I told her. Right. Because I, I was not, I wasn't me. And you have to be happy. Otherwise, she's going to be miserable one of these days anyway. Because I, I, I wasn't happy with myself. I, this is what I tell everybody, every interview. If you're not happy with your family, with your friends, with your job, where you live, the city you're in, move on. Find the place where it all works for you. Keep looking. Keep looking. How did she respond when you told her? It was it was traumatic, but uh, it had to happen. Uh, we've been we're still friends, you know. From we do all family things together, and the kids are they were in the teens when I told them, and so uh, they were upset, but but. And I knew they would be, but uh, they they saw that I still cared and took care of them, you know, the thing. Anyway, it was a wonderful. I, I don't regret one day in my life. Not one. 90 years. I do not. Get the, uh, I wouldn't change a thing. What have you learned along the way? What have I learned along the way? Yeah. It's been a long trail. <laughs> <laughs> 90 years I, is a good I, run. I, I, I learn and know that if you treat people with respect and you're happy with yourself, you can make them happy with themselves. I know that. That's a good lesson. And I have, that's my work. <laughs> that's your work. Yeah. What am I going to see tonight when I go to the show? Trash. <laughs> what do you mean? No. <laughs> you're going to have fun. You're going to see, you're going to see comedy. You're going to see, hopefully it works every now and then. I interview, I do the 
hard part at the beginning of the show. I introduce, I did, I talk to people in the where they're from and warm up the crowd. Yeah, well, kind of, and then uh, bachelorettes and and birthdays, uh, and uh, talk to them and make fun of what's going on around us. And I I don't know. I don't have a plan. You don't. You don't have it scripted. You show up. Oh and no! Oh, do no. your thing. Uh-oh. How many people in the cast? Well, tonight we have five, six, myself, seven. Pretty sure that's how. It, my cast have the, the privilege of working somewhere else if they get a gig, private gigs. Oh, okay. And and so we cover up with new people or with bring everybody in. You know, because it's not fair of me to not let them make. $300 somewhere. Right, if they can. I guess I don't know the history of drag. How long has this been a thing? Oh, I, as long as I can remember, and certainly drag merely means, translated really means not wearing what you usually wear. Oh, okay. So that's what we do. There's all kinds of drag. Female impersonators with beards and they color them and and uh, and then there's also uh, transvestites who always wear ladies' clothes and want to be, you know, they're born with the wrong body and all that side of the, right. and and those those are all bits and pieces. Not a, that's not a drag, but that's a, what we deal with, what mm-hmm. we see, what we have. Yeah. What else should I have asked you? What else? What's your favorite question in an interview? Hmm. You've hit all the all the, all of them so far. Already, I'm that no, good. You're that good. <laughs> you're uh, very kind. <laughs> <laughs> My very favorite is you'll feel a different way when you see it. And my all hope is if I'm being interviewed that they see first. But it, it, but this is new for you. This will be close. This is going to be you're still fresh. Yeah, and, and so you'll you'll see what we do. We have fun, and sometimes we don't have fun, but we have to make sure that the audience doesn't know that we're not having fun. That's your job. Yeah, the day Roxy died on a Saturday night, we were getting in the car to go to work. And he died, and uh, I went to the hospital with him and came home and went to work. Right away? Yeah. I, I couldn't sit in this house alone, and I, I needed the, the audiences bring me to reality. That energy to keep you going. Mm-hmm. And it worked fine. It wasn't because I met, you know, I've been together for all those years. It's just that uh, it seemed to be like the thing to do. That's the thing you used to do together. Go to work. Yeah. Looking at what's going on in the world, this difficult year that we've had, what's your advice to people? What do you want people to do? My, my advice to people is to stay happy. Without happiness, you don't have a full life. That sounds... By, by the way, my... Uh, uh, the city uh, has a, uh, you know, I don't know if you know what toppers are, the name of the street and then the topper, mm, the yeah. topper. This is the Chinese district or what. Mine says happiness reigns forever. 
And that's put, the topper by your... Yeah, by the club, yeah. By the one block. I'm going to look for that. Take a look, yeah. Thanks, Darcel. It's good to meet you. Thank you. Thank you.